0: So tonight, we have six Premier League fanatics on the Loudmouth show. They're all young, vibrant and full of opinions. Uh, Hi, guys. This is Manish from Bangalore, uh, supporting City. Nice. Uh, Yeah, Pramod, go on. Yep, I'm Pramod. I
1: support Liverpool and
0: I'm 19. Nice. Um, Sports Geek. So we have um, Rishib Tiwari who runs um, a football podcast called The Sports Geek and he's a Manchester United supporter. Yep.
2: Yeah. Hi guys, so I'm Rishabh Tiwari, a.k.a. Sports Geek. I'm uh, I am uh, I'm from Bangalore and I support Manchester United.
0: You're also from Bangalore?
2: Yeah, man. I'm I thought
0: in- you were somewhere in North India. Achha. No,
2: no, it's been like seven
0: years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then finally, we have Abhishek who is supporting Manchester City as well.
3: Hello, everyone. My name is Abhishek and uh, I'm I'm a
0: supporter of Manchester. Nice, and we have Anirudh as well, who's a United supporter.
3: Hi guys,
4: my name is Anirudh, and I support uh, Manchester United.
0: Apologies for the finally, but okay, let's start with the big six matches first. We'll get on with Brighton versus Liverpool. So we all know that Brighton, you know, they were attacking down the right side really well. In the first half itself, Liverpool started off on a very good note in the first five minutes, but it fizzled out to be something else altogether and Brighton were actually consolidating their plays via the flanks and they were doing really well without Tariq Lamptey as well. So I'd like Anirudh's take on the game first. Anirudh, what do you think about the game?
4: Yeah, I thought uh, Liverpool were very unlucky, you know, they they created loads of chances, I thought so, the Salah goal and the Mani goal was ruled out obviously and they conceded an unlucky penalty in, in the 90th minute. Uh, so I thought all in all Liverpool were very unlucky but then, uh, yeah, jota got another goal uh, which is which is great and uh, uh, I thought Brighton, uh, they've really improved since last season and uh, you know this, uh Graham Potter is set up the side brilliantly and i thought um uh they missed the penalty as well so i thought uh it was an unlucky result for liverpool but um it was a it was a good one for brighton
0: nice so again rishabh what do you think about so since anirudh has already mentioned about the penalty which mopper really missed out and he was substituted right after that so do you think was he fluking an injury or was it because he was embarrassed by the fact that potter wanted wanted him to get the, out of the team. What do you think?
2: Uh, I think he was faking it because he looked fine to me. Uh, that <laughs> penalty miss was obviously like embarrassing. He should have scored that easily. Right. Uh, and we know like how he's been as a striker in the Premier League. He has been scoring goals and penalties. So that was quite easy for him. But missing it obviously like takes you down and not every player can handle it.
0: Again, man. I thought, again, with the kind of defense we were going in with, Mature-ish, very inic- and Colly Marsh's since to reach till the final attacking third. But we've seen Brighton how they are outside the box, the 18 yard box, they are unable to finish anything out. Uh, barring what Welbeck can do, we haven't seen really anything coming up from Mopé, like, barring the first two matches that he played in. So, as a team, where do you think Brighton will end up by the boxing day? What do you think, um, Pramod? You're a Liverpool fan. What is your take on that? Yeah,
1: basically, I see Brighton being. They're, I think, at the they're near to the relegation table. I think they're about 16th uh, right yeah.
0: now. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think they they overwork a ball a little bit with the backline basically. Even when planty was there, whenever they used to dominate because the 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 game that they play, for example, when they when they played uh, the two weeks previously, I think it was against West Brom, which was a draw basically. So when they played uh, there, they were they used to overwork the ball a bit more. Even with the position that that they have, they never they rarely used to go into the final third. So that is one problem that they kind of alleviated against Liverpool. They were getting the ball quite a bit forward, and and that has to do with how Liverpool actually play with with their solid backline, with the backline like being like high above the pitch. So I Oops. would say that I think they might be 14th or 15th. Unboxing Boxing Day. I think so. I'm not sure exactly.
0: But promote being a Liverpool fan, how does it feel that even James Miller is sidelined now? He was the team's engine. And what are your thoughts on the injury vows you're currently suffering through?
1: It is, it is a shambles and I, and I think so it might even get worse with the coming matches. You know, I don't want to be this pessimistic but then with, with the games that are going on because we have game today night and then we have a game uh, next week, and then we have we have continuous games like going on, going on. Once every three days, once every four days. I'm 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 really not optimistic with the injury situation right now. You know, we need five substitutions in the league, like that is very much required. Otherwise, right. we'll still be having more.
0: Again, uh, so promoter actually mentioned that five substitutes point. But again, uh, I'd like to, you know, get on with uh, what happened to Raul Jimenez and David Luis. Do you think there should be a different substitution for injuries as well? What do you think? Um, um, I'd like Manish to go on this. There needs to be a
5: separate substitution, especially for concussions. It's it's a very it's a very subjective topic. And then uh, in the likes of David Luiz, he continued. But then, as you've heard. I think uh, Jimenez's skull had a fracture. He's speaking right now, it's fine, but then it can be pretty serious in other cases. So there has to be a separate substitute for a player who's injured. And there might have to be a separate test to to check whether they can go on or they have to be bought off.
0: Right. But Rakhshan, as Again, you're a Barcelona, Come, um, you support Barcelona by heart, but you also follow Manchester City. So, what do you think? James Milner had, had actually had a terrific career with Manchester City as well. Given the age that, do you think he can actually pull it off and you know get back into the form given that he can save Liverpool once he's back from the injury line? Because right now, Liverpool are actually really, if not pessimistically as Promod mentioned, but it's actually being realistic that Liverpool can actually go on a consecutive... Losing spree given that the quality of players that we have at the moment with Curtis Jones playing at the right back position, we don't have anything, you know, concrete. So, what do you think?
5: Yeah, I I think it'll really help. He can play all over the pitch, let it be right back, left back, central midfield, CDM. So, what this does is this gives other players to play in, in their natural positions and it might help the team like not directly but in very indirect ways. And then, as for the fact that Liverpool might go on a losing streak, I don't think it's going to happen, man. Like they had so many injuries in the previous game, and even in the this week's game against uh, Brighton, they had so many. And the reason they loss was very unlucky. They just can't go on unbeaten streak. I don't think Klopp is going to allow that to
0: happen. Right. Um. Again, Manish, you're the only one left, I think, who hasn't had a say on this. But what is your take on the match? And again, Liverpool's injury was. That is the bigger thing. What do you think will happen after this? Yeah, I
6: guess five substitution rule should be allowed this season because of the COVID situation and the messy uh, like the schedule of the whole season. It's like totally messed up. Uh, and even Jurgen Klopp made a good point after the uh, like after the game. Uh, he was asked about the five substitution rule. I think he was right by telling that uh, the authorities should. Uh, uh, speak to the FA and the Premier League to allow this rule in order to safeguard uh, all the players because Liverpool is out is out with like 7 or 8 uh, injuries this season so uh, any more injuries to their key players will be like uh, really bad for them so I think the Premier League should uh, get the uh, 5 substitution rule as soon as possible
0: Right so guys anyone wants to add on to this match because I'll be moving on to the next one now
2: uh yeah I would like to add uh, I feel that Jurgen Klopp is not uh, like talking about the problems that are there in the Liverpool team he's focusing more on other topics like this time he focused more on VAR although I felt that both the goals were offside Salah was yeah like it was too unlucky. Like, but we have seen VAR, like it, it's been given such goals offside. We have seen against Barcelona, uh, Morata was given offside by this much margin itself. And mm. yeah, the penalty, you can say that, yeah, that right and got was unlucky because uh, Manchester United didn't get such kind of penalty when like Bruno uh, fouled the other player. So you can say that, but sometimes it goes against you. like We have seen in that Manchester City game that when uh, jesus scored and the ball touched his hand and they gave the penalty so it it happens but you can't say that uh, it's it's been only var 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 uh, sadio mane hasn't been performing as good as he was performing last season salah was good before the like he got COVID. after that i haven't seen much of from him it's been Jota, otherwise if Jota, you wouldn't have signed Jota, then I don't think Liverpool would have been scoring these many goals
0: as well. Uh, I think that is fair enough. I think I'd agree with you on that. But I think Klopp really accepted the fact that, okay, those two offsides were actually offsides, even though he was pretty pissed at the PT reporter, whatever he, his name was. But um, moving on, man, to the next match, Manchester City versus Burnley. Let me start with the City supporters. Again, you guys must have, you know, had other anti-City fans saying that, OK, Manchester City has lost it this season. They will not be able to get up. They they lack clinical finishing. They have nothing to offer at the moment, but I think City proved them all wrong. So, What is your thought on the game against a defensive side like Burnley? Let's start with Abhishek.
3: OK, it was uh, really good to watch the way City played. I felt like uh, the way City normally plays like uh, scoring uh, 5 or 6 goals against uh, these kind of teams and it was a very impressive performance from the team as well uh, Mahrez scoring and hat-trick it was completely unexpected because he hadn't had a that great season and uh, but it was such a good to see that the city played I think we had a very good performance and this will only help us uh, for the coming matches that we're having and uh, like the Manchester
0: derby is also there. So it will really help us uh, to go forward. Right. What do you think Manish, what is your take on this? Uh, this game
6: uh, was actually uh, City getting back to their uh, usual best. Uh, I guess City will con- uh, should continue this form in order to like uh,
0: uh, get a good run of fixtures and get some points on the board. Right. But Panish, what do you think, man? Uh, Benjamin Mendy actually scored a goal, you know, but I don't really favour him as a good fullback in comparison to how Cancelo had been performing for City. So, do you think Benjamin Mendy should get more start starting uh, lineups than um, this guy, um, Cancelo? What do you think?
6: Benjamin Mendy is always on the sidelines. Like he's too injury prone, and uh, like as soon as he comes back from injury, you can't uh, expect him to perform at his usual best. Like it takes time for him to settle back in the squad and uh, perform. And by that time, again, he picks up another injury. So, I think uh, Cancelo uh, should be given more chances uh, than Benjamin Mendy because he take, Benjamin Mendy takes time to uh, get back uh, to his usual best.
0: Right. And Rakshin, you know, we actually even noticed that City were passing really well. The short passing which they usually get into was amazing and the build-ups were again pretty spectacular to watch. And Ferran Torres's goal and Kevin De Bruno's two assists. What do you have to say about these players? Yeah, people were saying Bruno Fernandes having a better season than KDB.
5: But then he had a very good game, two assists and he was indirectly involved in the last goal. And Foden also with the assist. And then it's almost as if John Sons is having a renaissance. He's like playing <laughs> really well in the last three games. And Garcia right. looked okay, five months ago, if you asked me, I was desperate to hold on to Garcia, but now we have other options, so not that desperate to hold on to him and Marez had a brilliant game.
0: But would you actually want to see Garcia at Barcelona or are you okay with the kind of lineup you have at Barca given that PK is not really, he's going really old now and he's actually injured at the moment, right?
5: Yeah, if mingueza plays really well, continues his <laughs> form, we don't need Garcia in January. Instead of paying seven to eight million, we could just get him on a free and six months later. It depends on how and Minguez up play.
0: Right. Um so let's just talk about Burnley as well, on the other hand. I think they were trying to defend really well initially, but they just fizzled out. And you know, they're actually struggling with the form as well. People were actually in the previous podcast too, they were actually commending the way the defenders have come back back from injury and they'll be like, you know, totally going into the matches, they'll be counter-attacking and all that. But we didn't really see that happening much. They committed too many individual lives as well and again, finish finishing was really poor. So, what is your take on this? Um, let's go with Rishabh first.
2: Yeah, so in the match, if you see, the first goal which came, it came from the mistake of the defender. The defender passed the ball to Manchester City player. And once you give that chance to Manchester City, they won't gonna stop. Once they, they score one or two goals, they, they are on top of you. And this couldn't happen against Spurs because they didn't concede a goal in the early minutes. And but same thing, the error happened from this, their defense, Bundy defense, and then it kept repeating uh, again and again, when Mahrez got ball on the right wing and he came inside from that wing to score the goal. he they could have stopped him they didn't try to tackle him there was no formation of burnley in that goal if you if you watch that goal there are only two or three defenders all of them are on uh, right hand side of the pitch and left hand side where marez is that part is almost like empty there is no one to cover him uh, so that's been really bad and inside the box also they have been Really poor. They have been leaving Manchester City players like too much space. You can't give Manchester City players too much space. Obviously, with the quality they have in front of the goal.
0: Absolutely, I think you're bang on that. But but uh, again, man, uh, uh, Anirudh, uh, what do you think about you know Burnley's high shot frequency? They favoured a lot of crossing, and they actually performed. They actually assisted many long balls as well. So, do you think Burnley ahead? Uh, the way people are predicting they'll actually end up in the 10th 11th 12th position and also what do you think about the strikers man? because i thought ashley Barnes, right he's actually he was pretty good last season and the season before that so what are your thoughts on burnley as a team
4: yeah burnley strikers are very um, orthodox and uh, they're proper english no- uh, typical number nines they're they're tall they're they're really physical especially chris wood um, so, so yeah, Burnley uh, they prefer crossing a lot, and they're probably one of the most pragmatic sides in the league. And True. they just they just came up against a very contrasting City side who love to have possession and uh, and and create as many chances. And all in all, it was uh, City just had too much quality for them.
0: Absolutely, bang one So anyone else wants to say anything about City or any discussion you'd like to like hold, you can go ahead with that. No, okay. So let's get on with another fixture, which I was excited to see and I didn't expect the result to turn out to be the way it is. Everton versus Leeds. Leeds really, you know, they played in a 4-1-4-1 and Cooper captained them as usually. They stuck to their structure again, Eiling being very dominating and very terrific at the fullback position. We know how they love playing total football concept as well. Calvin Phillips was back after, you know, an injury. Though he played the last match too, he wasn't really looking fit in that. But he got loads of space to play in. So your take on Leeds, the first half itself, uh, Leeds, how were they playing against Everton? Um, Let's start with Abhishek. What are your thoughts on the game?
3: Firstly, it was a very exciting game. I love that game. Both teams getting opportunities to score and um... Yeah, so Leeds, I think.
0: uh, Okay, go on. uh,
3: So Leeds, I felt uh, like they were good as well. Like it was a very uh, like what to say a compact performance, and uh, I felt uh, like it was very difficult to choose something from uh, both of the teams. So they got the win.
0: But what do you guys think? Let's start with Anirudh. He didn't really speak much in the last segment. What do you think Anirudh uh, leads performance against Everton?
4: yeah it's it's just shocking that the game only ended with one goal i think i think every leeds game um is is very interesting in terms of uh they always they always have a high intensity and create loads of chances but even everton i thought had had their fair share of chances and uh, yeah I, I certainly expected more goals in this one and it's kind of shocking to see only one in the end,
0: Rafinha was the match winner. Right. Uh, Pramod, you know, uh, I didn't expect this to happen, that Everton would be counter-attacking and they wouldn't really get the possession they want against Leeds. But we know how Bielsa loves to play ultra-attacking football. But the amazing thing was that, unlike other matches, they actually were tracking back pretty well. And they were also man-marking the Everton players, especially Hamas. Even though he was coming central, but there was no Luka Dine to support him on the left. If you see the lineup, they went and went were three centre backs, right? Keane, Colgate and the third one, I think Yeri Mina or someone else. I don't know, but the three centre backs weren't really helping them in the offences. So, what is your take on Everton, man? Where are they lacking? They they're on a four-match streak. You know, they're losing all the sports. They lost all the last four matches. So, what is your take on that? What I
1: would say is, uh, I would actually like to first comment on how Leeds defended this game. If you look at the expected goals, like if you're into statistics and stuff, they were only expected to, t- to score one goal at least from the game, from the chances they had. So that is really commendable for, for, for what Leeds did, especially in the second half when the game was going really end-to-end stuff. Like Ball was going from one end, from Pickford to Melier and then back to Pickford. They defended <laughs> really well that time. Like. That's really commendable. And as for Everton having a land, I would say again, again, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was not effective enough. Charlesson also on top of that, still having problems. I think he was, he was the previous game. I think so. He didn't play. I'm not sure exactly. But then he definitely didn't play against Manchester United. So it's still there's still no output from him basically. So I don't know how yeah. would they change the way they play, but then. Looking at Everton counter-attacking instead of them attacking would, was a huge surprise. Especially when you take that lead just from, got promoted this year. Right. Pretty, it was a pretty surreal game, I would say.
0: True, man. And I'd like to actually uh, mention a couple of players like Rafinha, man. We got to see what he's really made of. The kind of pace he was showing on the pitch, the kind of lateral runs he was making and also the intersections that he was giving. He was helping them defensively as well. So again, he was the only guy who actually scored the goal and he didn't expect to shoot from there. Right. He was trying to find the guy in the final third. He couldn't. So he just took a shot and he scored. So what is your take on that? Um, Let's start with Manish.
6: Yeah, Leeds uh, wingers played really well uh, this match, especially Jack Harrison and Rafinha as well. Uh, Rafinha has been like one of the most underrated signings from France and I,
0: I hope he Performs well this season, true man. I think he's a good replacement for Helder Costa. Even though Helder Costa really performed well in the starting matches, but he kind of fizzled out. So yeah. Again, uh, so an excellent distribution system is what they laid out exactly against Everton is what probably Bielsa wanted to do as well. But as Promos actually mentioned that you know in the second half they were playing long, both the keepers were playing long, especially trying to find Calvert Lewin was the main target because. I don't know man I think Calvary threw in this black space and even if he's getting the first ball the second ball is where Everton were really lacking and what was Richarlison doing Playing deep man I know he was wanting to assist the defence in going ahead but Richarlison is a pacer was supposed to he was playing as a striker in the last season and this season he's playing on the left so what are your thoughts on the gear on Richarlison you know and the positioning that Everton developed uh, through the game Rachin what is your uh, take
5: yeah, I think Richarlison shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have been like shouldn't have been deep. He should have been up there with Calvert-Lewin. He could have helped with the head headed header down from Calvert-Lewin. And I think that enough people to connect the midfield to the attack. Like James did a brilliant job at connecting the midfield to the attack. And then, like you said, Richarlison's really pacey. He could have he could have got, gotten behind the defense and then tried scoring. And also, everyone was saying Leeds couldn't cut it in the Premier League, the way that style of football they play and the quality of players they have. But BLC is just showing what Leeds are really made up of.
0: True, true. But what what do you think, man? Like, if you take a prediction, till the 19th, 19th game mark, Boxing Day, what do you think? Where will Leeds end up? I think Leeds are going to be around 6th or 7th. Nice, nice. <laughs> I think so too, maybe. Um, but you know, we actually miss, we are miss, missing about a couple of things about Everton. Um, so Everton usually like operating via their fullbacks as well. And when they started the game, uh, the season they won three games in a row because of Seamus Coleman and Luca Dine being there. But without both these fullbacks being there, what do you think? Um, can Dukure and Allen, who usually act as a pivot? Will there be enough? Because we saw Alan making a run like Messi does usually. He got into the third, final third and he tried hitting the box, uh, hitting inside. But uh, I think it got deflected out. So, what is your take? Do, do you think these two midfielders are enough for them to drive the game ahead? Um, Rishabh, what is your take on this?
2: Uh, I think they are lacking creativity in midfield, to be honest. Uh, if you see in the starting few games, it was James Rodriguez who was providing so many assists and he was in great form but since his injury after his injury he hasn't been that effective on the pitch and uh, with Dene injured they are lacking that creativity on the pitch because if if Calvert Lewin is getting passes from like uh, from outside the box he's been a scoring goal but in this match there was no creativity if you see Uh, Only the first chance where Dakore got that chance, he could have scored that one easily, but he missed it. And after that, I didn't really see Everton how good they were playing in the uh, starting few games. They haven't been that effective. And the credit goes to Leeds. They were dominating the game. They were really good Uh, by chance. uh, By the way, uh, this uh, Leeds have uh, created most number of chances from open plays in the Premier League this season, 105. So we should appreciate them because they are dominating mm, the game as right. well and they are creating chances to score. Like they, they should have scored so many goals. Pickford save around three clear goals uh, in that game. So right. nobody is giving credit to Pickford. He will be again uh, say that uh, he, he's been bad and he's conceding goals but mm. they see the amount of chances that Leeds got in that game.
0: No, you're totally right we may missed out on Pickford I think he performed well in the game but but that I think that shot that he took um, the only goal which happened was really difficult to save and we wouldn't blame the keeper for that but again uh, so one final take Man it's an open question do you think Ancelotti will be changing the formation now especially getting in two strikers because we don't see Calvert-Lewin who comes in really deep okay gets the first ball as I have already spoken about that. Do you think there needs to be a more attacking supportive system? Armes is not the only answer, especially with the fullbacks out. So, what are you, What do you guys think? Anyone can take this.
1: I think it's high time. Uh, calvert Lewin actually, I don't know if he's playing as target man, if he's keeping Richarlison on the wing, I don't think it will work really well, especially in the way the Premier League works right now. If Richarlison plays in the center, it would be a much better, like you have a much more versatile option when it comes to the through balls and passes. Calvert-Lewin would work really good as a target man, in ending the ball. For example, Pickford, like how we saw him trying with Pickford, but then, but then the problem was that uh, Calvert-Lewin did not have anyone to have any support there on top. So that was the main issue because Richardson was too far, uh, too far deep.
0: And he was not like near when Calhoun was getting the ball. Yeah. Right. Okay, guys. I think we should move on to the next match, which is uh, Southampton versus United. Man, I think this was the this was the best match of the weekend. So again, Saints looked absolutely demolishing, and you know, through the second half they looked really leggy though, and struggled to get the ball ahead, constantly getting dispossessed in the midspaces and the wrong areas. Let's start with Anirudh, man. Anirudh. What do you think, man? What do you make of the game in the first half, especially? Did you think that United will actually lose? What was your thought after the first half ended?
4: Well, I, I, I wasn't sure. I thought, I thought um, Ole Ole made some great substitutes in at halftime, and uh, he got Cavani on, and uh, and Cavani showed us what we've been lacking all these years. We've been lacking a proper number nine and Kavani's uh, movements inside the box is just uh, is just elite. And that's what he gave us. And I thought, I was also pleased to see Donny van de Beek make his first start. Um, the, his first, his one-touch passing, his, um, he, he just uh, increases the intensity of the game. And uh, I thought Fred was amazing too. Sometimes a lot of, uh, even a lot of Manchester United fans uh, you know, they criticized Fred, but I thought uh, Fred is a um, really important cog of our team and he was brilliant as well. So, again, um, uh, this was a great win to come back from 2 nil down. I thought it was a great performance in the end.
0: Right. Um, so, you, you've actually just cruxed the match out. But, um, again, I'd like to singularly point out a couple of players. Um Again, who else is a United United fan, dude? There's no pressure What do you think about Van der Beek, man? No. Like, in my opinion, I don't think he was really effective. Apart from the fact that he was actually drawing players out and he was trying to press them on, which he was actually uh, working well on. They were overloading on the left flank in the first half. Too, we saw within the first twenty minutes, United were actually the better team. It is from twentieth till the forty-fifth minute that Southampton really made a lot of pressure and they, you know, they made a good comeback. But what do you think? Do you think Van der Beek was Doing some a good job in the midfield. Do you think? What? Do, what is your take on that?
2: Uh, I think it's it's it was a good performance from Bendebik. To be honest, like if you see how Pogba has performed, uh, if you compare with that, Bendebik was more effective because he was creating problems for their defensive line, and he was like whenever they were pressing, whenever Southampton was pressing, he was passing the ball at right time. He wasn't letting them come on him like Pogba does and try to dribble uh, at that point of time and lose the ball in the midfield. That didn't happen with Wenderby. So right. if, if you see that part, it's been a good performance from Wenderby. And uh, the diamond formation, everybody is saying it, it, it isn't working for United anymore. But if you see the diamond formation, when it didn't work, it was spread in the uh, deep uh, midfield and uh, McTomney on the right midfield. But that's not the position. You either play Matich or McTominay in the at the back of midfield. You can't play Fred at that position mm. because Fred keeps m- making mistakes. And we saw that the free kick of Baldprows that was a tackle of Fred, and you can't right. give free kicks at such uh, positions. So Diamond is working, and United were really good in that game to be honest. But yeah, defensive, they have been bad. They need a new centre back. They need to change of the uh, partnership of Lindelof and Maguire so that we all know but if you see that amount of chances that United made in that game they like in the first half itself Greenwood missed the first chance in 12th minute when it was open goal Uh, in the 35th minute again he got a chance he missed it then in that same chance Bruno also got a chance he missed it so United could have scored easily two goals in the first half but they were poor and uh, it was just Edison Cavani who came up and changed everything for Manchester United. But again, the question comes on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Like how many times uh, individual performances will save Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Because we saw this against RB Leipzig also, Rashford came on. Uh, we saw this against few other teams when Bruno Fernandes stepped up and performed well. In this game, Bruno was not that good, but still he got one goal and assist. But Cavani changed everything for Manchester United and they needed someone at that position. Let's see if they start him against PSG as well. But questions are still there on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Because whenever there is uh, the news that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to be sacked, United starts performing well for four or seven games. And after that, the performance starts dipping and again we are there. Like we are climbing three up on stairs and then (laughs) climbing two down. So that's been the problem for United. They are not consistent enough, like Liverpool, like uh, Manchester City have been in last two, three years. So that consistency is uh, lacking currently at United. And let's see how it be it performs. Like Because now Beek and Addison Cavani will get their chances most probably. And this formation and this team, there is no quality lacking in this team, to be honest. Many people say that United don't have quality. They have quality players, but you need to play them in the right manner you need to start them in the right manner you can't just keep shuffling and keep making changes in your formation and starting players on the position they are not good at so i hope that improves in the further games
0: right <laughs> but but you made Van fan bisaka look like a philip Lam bro like he was actually okay. the way when kawani came on i think the game entirely changed for them and also the formation also changed a bit. I think Vanderbeek, again, you spoke about how they were playing a diamond on paper, but Vanderbeek actually came ahead with Bruno Fernandes and it was kind of a box formation that they made. So what do you think, man? Um, Rakshin, what is your take on the game?
5: Yeah, I think Cavani. the moment he came on, he motivated everyone around him. Him and Bruno came together and then lifted the spirits of everyone. Uh, first half and second half are very different. First half, Southampton. Played way better than the second half, and then this is what Cavani offers—a proper number nine striker. He offers the aerial prowess, which I don't think Martial does. It almost as if he gives a different dimension or a different way for United to score. Yeah.
1: I would like to actually add on. Uh... Um. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: I would actually like to add yeah, on how bad David de Gea was. David Daheia was not. It was not a good game for him. As 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 the goalkeeper myself, I would say the first goal was easily. Uh, you know, it could have been better. Like he could have saved the goal. The second one, he had one hand on the thing, but instead of actually pushing the ball, he the ball he put the ball back into the net, which is really. A bit weird to look at again and again the James What was speaking? As the Rakshin had said, uh, I am not sure was it was He had said that uh, especially uh, it is Manchester United's players' uh, individual performances that are helping them win, and I think so. It is. You could also say that the individual performances of some other players are actually putting them in a bad position in the first place.
0: Right. You know, I actually agree with you on that because you know I thought it was just an individual performance that won them the match, but that's not really. It was a teamwork as well. If you we see the how they connected the dots in the end, and they were actually subduing Southampton. Southampton were were not even able to get out of their own half, which is how United really won the match. And uh, I, I think Ole should actually be applauded for that. But it's kind of worrisome that we don't see usually you know teams this season. Uh, you know, defensively they've been they've had their own frailties, but don't you think Alex Tellis was being run down by um, Walker-Peters and also um, that guy, dude, I forgot his name, Armstrong. Both these players, Southampton were overloading on the left flank continuously and they were letting Walker-Peters, you know, just take off. And Alex Tellis could not stop them. So, is that concerning? Defensively, what would, uh, Anirudh, what would you want to change in your team defensively? Defensively, I think, uh, yeah,
4: we
0: looked shaky shaky
4: today, um, I thought Alex Tellez had an average game. He wasn't quite at his best. Um, again, in the center of defense, I think we have lots of problems. Uh, Maguire looked shaky, so did Lindelof. Um So I think going forward, we definitely need to uh, sign center backs because I think in our team I don't see anyone who's capable of uh, uh, replacing them. So I think we really need to sign center backs. And
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, but but I think to that, I think Maguire is doing a good job, to be honest, uh, even those two goals, you conceded, I don't think it was entirely his fault. But you know, um, Maguire has stepped up in the past three, four games, and I think he should stay there. But definitely, I think Lindelof, you need a guy who's more vibrant than he is because he, Lindelof is like, he performs really well in some games and then other games he's totally off. So I agree with you on that a bit. But, Abhishek, what, what is your thought on the game, man? And we haven't seen such a game, we've seen it in the past few seasons, but we never really expected it. You know, after the first half performance, I actually went live and I was actually like supporting Southampton in a way. I was very impressed with them. But what happened to them, man? They look so tired, leggy, they couldn't... I don't know what was going on with Southampton. What is your take on them?
3: Uh, yes, it was a very nice game to watch. It was a crazy game. Uh, to be honest, I didn't expect that uh, like United will turn the tide around. But like, uh, but like when the thing was happening, it was really nice. It was a Cavani show. Bruno played well. And coming back to the point that Southampton looked tired, but uh, yes, they do definitely looked tired. But the thing I felt like. Uh, like United, just I don't know what happened to them. They just came out attacking so good, and uh, the Cavani and uh, Cavani was doing so good. So, like, I wouldn't blame like uh, Southampton much. Yeah, it's their fault that uh, they conceded three goals and a half. But it was just like uh, United coming so hard at them.
0: Right. Um. Yeah, man. So I totally agree with you on that as well. But um, I think Manish is the only one left who hasn't really had to say on, on the match. Um, Manish, could you like just talk about Southampton's midline? The first half, they were really impressive again. And Janepo, man, on the left, he's he's like a mini Mane. Like I, I see traces of Mane in him. And Armstrong as well is pretty authentic and very story that way. But what browser actually lived up to his mark. You know, he's the set piece taker. He has his way with crosses. Uh, The manager is actually nurturing. What do you think uh, of those Southampton players and where do you think will they end up by the Boxing Day?
6: Uh, Southampton played a really good game uh, from the 20th minute up to the half uh, half time. Uh, I think uh, Hasenhutl's approach to the game was quite good in the first half and uh and they looked tired in the second half because they the the system which they play they, that demands a lot from the players and they don't have the squad depth which many clubs uh, m- many rich clubs have and yeah they played a really good game uh, and i'm really impressed with uh, what pro set pieces actually one of the most uh one of the best set piece takers in the premier league uh, And yeah, I guess uh, Southampton will finish somewhere around mid-table, around 10th by Boxing Day.
0: Right. But also, we've actually spoken about Edinson Cavani, I know that for a fact, but we never really expected him to, you know, be scoring two goals and, you know, being involved in all the three goals. So uh, uh, I wanted uh, Anirudh and um, Rishabh's take on this. Um, Rishabh, what do you think, man? Uh, You know, uh, how? Is it concerning that uh, Edison Cavani is doing the job that the youngsters are supposed to do? Or do you think it's it okay because he's 33 years old and he'll probably work for you guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic did, so what are you, you expecting from United as a squad, uh, keeping in mind uh, that the addition that Cavani has actually made to the team?
2: Uh- so yeah to be honest i didn't expect kawani to shine like this and i wasn't expecting much from him because in last one year he hasn't played much because of injury and like psg playing uh, icardi and uh, other players so he hasn't got his playing time that much so i wasn't expecting from him but it was great to see him like that the moment if you see inside the box that was pure like Zalatan or the proper number nine he was way behind uh, all the defenders of Southampton in the last goal and then he popped up from somewhere and scored that goal. So that was lacking in Manchester United and if you see this season we have been lacking good attacking performance in that box. Uh, Rashford hasn't been scoring that many goals, he has been poor leaving that RB the game, uh, Martial hasn't been effective at all so Cavani is a good boost to this team. And with the experience he has, scoring like 400 and plus goals, he can help Greenwood, Martial and Rashford in helping them to how to position themselves inside the box. So, I am looking forward to it. Like, it can be someone like Zalatan signing, which can create difference for us in this season because we don't have good attacking line, to be honest.
0: Well, Andrew, what would your take be on this?
4: Yeah, I actually thought uh, Edinson Cavani was a great signing for us because, you know, before he joined, a lot of people were venting the Sancho frustration, the frustration of not getting Jade Sancho on Edinson Cavani. But, you know, despite his wages and all that, I think it's a great signing because if you look at it, he's uh, he's scored goals all out all around Europe. He's done it in Syria and he's done it in uh, Liga. Uh, so. Yeah, his his movements inside the box are just uh, are just elite, and uh, you know the kind of young strikers we have. If you look at Rashford, Greenwood, and and Marshall, they can they can really learn a lot of Edinson Cavani. So I thought it was a great signing.
0: Right. Again, man. Okay, let's just get on to the next match. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? And also, what do you think, man? Uh, United fans, uh, what do you think about United's position by the Boxing Day? Given the Given the Winning streak (coughs) What the fuck (coughs) Sorry Yeah guys just go on
2: So I feel they might Reach somewhere 5th or 6th position Uh, If they keep performing We might see them in top 4 also If they keep the consistency going Because the consistency has been The real big issue Like we have been we won against RB Leipzig 5-2, and then on weekend we lost to such bad team of Arsenal at home 1-0. So there have okay. been ups and downs in performance. So like if they keep this continuously, like the consistency, then we might see them in top four as well.
0: You know, Bishop, the thing is that the matches that you have lost, actually, I know I've been uh, totally ragging the shit out of them, but expecting that they're Manchester United, they're supposed to be winning all matches, but also the matches that they've lost are very close, barring uh, Istanbul and all. I think the Arsenal encounter was pretty close. It was like a midfield battle. And I think there was a lot of pressure because Partey came into the scene as well. So, I think overall, you guys are doing pretty well at the moment, man. So, I think, yeah, you guys can make it to the top four if given yeah, the consistency like are, that you're we carrying.
2: Are currently, we are currently five points off the top and you see that as really good thinking that how we started the season losing against Crystal Palace then uh, South, uh, sorry, uh, Spurs 6-1 defeat. So, if you see that, we have been good in the past few games. But again, like whenever there is uh, a sword on uh, Olegana Gunnar Solskjaer, the team starts performing well and whenever they start performing well, they go down easily. So, let's see right. that, that's been a problem.
4: Yeah, I think I think this season has been like unlike any other. So, if we can get a run of 4-5 wins on the bounce, I think we can uh, climb up the table really
0: quickly. Right. If anyone else wants to ask any question, you can, dude. Like, it's not necessary that... Yeah, I you wanted to ask a question. Time. Yeah, go on.
5: Uh, should first, have two questions. Uh, how much do you regret on missing out on Haaland? Because Haaland will have done what Cavani is doing kind of better and maybe for the next 10 years con- consistently. And so, Dean Henderson, start.
0: Yeah, guys, what do you think? Yeah. Uh,
1: so I would Haaland, like to answer Haaland.
2: on... Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I would like to answer on um, Haaland. Haaland wouldn't, wouldn't have joined Manchester United because he's been elite through and through. So, you know, his father played for Leeds. He supports Leeds. So, it is highly unlikely even if he had a chance. Even if Manchester United was was going for him, he wouldn't have gone. So, that's your answer there for Alan joining United.
5: According to reports, he was very close. And apparently, you guys missed out on him because of agent fees. Contradictory reports, but yeah.
2: It was more of Sancho who was uh, in... uh, like good uh, amount of connect with United at that in the transfer window Haaland wasn't that much and I don't think Haaland will even come to Manchester United he might go to Bayern or Real Madrid in a couple of years
0: but, but Pramod you actually mentioned the fact that okay Haaland doesn't have a chance of again getting into the United-United squad but what do you think Where which team was it really fit in do you think that, uh, City or United can adjust a player like Haaland because he's not someone who really offers a lot of diversity around him, but he gives, he, he can take opportunities from the box, right? He finishes games off. So what is your take? Which team do you think he can fit in?
1: I think Manchester City more than, uh, because Manchester City, the way they play is more versatile. And right. uh, they play a lot of passing game, a patient game in that sense. So Haaland would get more chances and with the chances he's been getting with Dortmund and finishing them. You'll see him like adjusting really well with the way and especially with Pep Guardiola and uh, his coaching staff, definitely
5: they'll mould him to a world-class player. He's, he's I would like player. to add something. Go on, dude. I think Lautaro Martinez would be a better fit for them as he has a very similar pay, player profile to Aguero and you see how successful Aguero is, right? And yeah, Lautaro Martinez would be a better fit for Manchester City overall.
0: True, uh, even I think so because... That guy is still growing and he actually has a lot of space to offer. So something. Uh he can even start as a LAM or an RAM, you know, if given opportunity team owner is actually doing. But I think given the right uh manager for him, if he gets molded into the team, I think he can play for City as well.
2: I would like to answer the David Daya question, Dean Anderson and David Daya. So I feel that it's time to start Dean Anderson over David Daya. Like we have, we have given him enough time now, and uh, he hasn't been performing well. That the first goal I still accepted that yeah, the corner was too close and that was brilliant corner, and you you can't react so quickly. But in the second one. He didn't react that quickly his feats were like he was too slow at that point of time he could have kept that out because you do expect players to score a goal on that side because the other side was too far away for what cross to score and when Dean Henderson came on I felt really light that yeah now there is someone better on uh, goal goal and we won't uh, concede a goal from outside the box if somebody is taking shot which has been a problem with David Dehay in this season and before this season. So I will I, start Dean Henderson.
4: I actually disagree I, I think I think I'm not entirely convinced about uh, Dean Henderson yet because he was in a Sheffield United side which uh, which uh didn't didn't quite uh, he didn't have to uh uh you know his uh he didn't have to distribute the ball so much with his feet and um, I'm still not entirely convinced about his uh, his qualities on the ball. Uh, I agree that he's great at shot stopping but I'm not sure about his qualities on the ball.
0: Right. But what is your take on the transfers, um, the rumoured transfers we were actually discussing about as a Manchester United fan? which? Which striker would you want to, which number nine would you want to see in the team because Marshall is not really working out this season and I think it's too soon for us to be charging him. Given the fact that he's actually, when he came in from Monaco, he was actually supposed to be like one of the world's most talented strikers, but he's actually not lived up to that, um, you know, expectation. So what is your take on this? Yeah. Um,
4: yeah. So as I said, I think Aditya Cavani Kavani showed what we have lacked and uh, if we were, as close to as it's been as close to Holland as it's been reported uh, i think that would have been a great signing given that uh, Solchar also uh, gave Haaland his debut at molda i think uh, that would have been a fantastic signing and he would have brought a lot more goals into the squad
0: great okay guys let's just get on with the next fixture we have the headliner, which got played out at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea versus Tottenham. Again, I thought it'll be a high-scoring match, but it turned out to be a draw, a goalless one. That too. So, do you think it was, uh, uh and you know, uh, a tactical match, or do you think was it a very boring match where both managers really wanted to just draw, draw, like some somewhat similar to what Chelsea and United did? So, let's start with Abhishek. Abhishek, what is your take on this?
3: Okay, uh, so this was the biggest game of the weekend and I felt like, uh, like I was not happy with the game. I felt it was a bit boring. Um, I felt Jose Moreno went there to pass his birth. He did the same. He was only relied on like, counter attacking, that he did against City as well. Like, But it didn't work that much. Though they did got the opportunity, but they didn't con- uh, got the goal. So I felt uh, it was a bit of a boring game I think Chelsea might have got the win uh, if, like deserved to get the win but like it was a typical Jose Marino side
0: performance so Right but uh, so I have certain questions you know um, in the first half we actually saw that okay both sides were actually counter-attacking each other dispossessing each other in the middle and though I thought Tottenham looked more uh, lethal on that They were actually more smoother. They looked more, you know, swift with the way they were actually building up. But Harry Kane and Son were constantly subdued by, you know, the opposition's defence. So what is your take on the game? And do you think Harry Kane is actually playing a deeper role this season? So is that really helping uh, Tottenham out? Uh, What is your take on that? I think uh, Harry Kane was fantastic against City because, uh,
3: like, But uh, against Chelsea, he didn't look that good because he didn't get much touches. So, I think he's scoring goals, he's uh, top in the assist uh, chart, like he has 9 assists. So, he's doing quite good but I expect more goals from him because he's uh, like a top goal striker and I expect more and more goals from him. But the way Jose plays against big teams, you can't, like, they just rely on counter-attacks and all so it's uh like it gets sometimes it's it's like he can have a game where he doesn't have that many touches and, like similar like the game that he had against Chelsea. i wouldn't be surprised with the way the way to plays if we have this kind of game uh like the points from harry kane in the coming big games as well
0: right but you know, um, Anirudh, what is your take on the game? And also, I think, you know, with Bergwijn's inclusion into the starting 11, do you think, is it sidelining, Lucas Moura's, uh, Eric Lamela's, and Gareth Bale's chances of starting in the starting 11? Because Bergwijn has actually been doing pretty well off and on the ball. So, what is your take on that?
4: Right. So, I, I basically thought um, both teams were obviously very cautious and they didn't want to lose the game. If you if you offered both managers a point before the game, they would have taken it. So I think it was a very uh, ta- it was a tactical battle. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and answering your question about uh, Bergwan, I think yeah he he's a he he was a great signing last season for Spurs. And uh, I think yes, I think um, he should be their number one starter in that right wing position.
0: I think ahead of uh, uh, Gareth Bale and Mo- Lucas Mora. Right. But what do you think that Bergwijn is offering to the team? Uh, the others aren't because... Okay, Gareth Bale, I understand that he's just... Again, he's just going into the team again. But what about Lucas Mora, man? And what about Eric Lamela? What are your thoughts? Anirad, I would like you to answer, yeah. Yeah,
4: so I think... Um, I think Bergwijn is just um, more direct than Lucas Moura. You know, he'll he'll run at defenders, and especially against uh, Chelsea, where you expect Spurs to sort of counterattack. Um, I think Bergwijn's pace offers a bigger threat. Uh, I, I I think that's why uh, Mourinho looked to start him.
0: Yeah. Um. Again, uh, Manish, what do you think about the game? And also, if you could actually. If we talk about Chelsea, you know, ZH and Reese James weren't really getting the opportunity to, you know, just bombard them with crosses and diagonals in the first half. It was in the second half that Reese actually gave out eight to nine crosses and ZH gave out around five to six crosses. So where do you think the game really changed for Chelsea? Yeah,
6: I guess Frank Lampard should have uh, brought on Olivier Giroud much earlier in the second half because... uh, reese james and uh, hakeem zh were providing like good quality crosses and and uh i guess uh jiro would be the best suited for those type of chances and yeah it was quite a kg game uh, both managers uh, are happy with a point
0: right um Rakshin, your take on the game man and um yeah, what do you think about Chelsea's attacking prowess and also, again, I mentioned the fact that 3H was being subdued in the first half and you know, Tottenham as a defence were actually doing a great job, to be honest. Especially, what do you think about the new boy Rogan, uh, you know, as a player? What is your take on that?
5: Yeah, I think he's really good. He might mature into a very good player. Based on the performance recently, he's been doing pretty well. And then there are sources linking screener to Spurs, but I don't really think they need him if Rodon continues to perform well and they have Dyer. Dyer's played really well in the previous game, in this game, and they have uh, Tanganga, they have uh, Sanchez also, and they have Alderweireld. And under Mourinho, Spurs have become a de- defensive ball. Like, they've become really good under Mourinho and they've become very good defensively. And as for Chelsea, I think Mourinho was slightly better than uh, Lampard, not a lot defensively, but going uh, on the offense, I think Chelsea had more shots. I think one more shot on target and a little bit more possession. And this is what Mourinho has made Spurs a defensive defensive powerhouse,
0: right.
5: similar to against City.
0: Right, <laughs> defensive powerhouse. But yeah, man, I agree with you on I that. I think that's an overstatement, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda uh, okay. So, why do you think is it an overstatement? Why why would you say that?
5: I don't know. Like, I, I mean, like, Erieka and Tobias Lavall did really well. They might not do right. this well against like other top six teams who have more possession compared to them. And looking at their fullbacks, I think Gregorion and uh, Doherty, they're really good going forward. They're not that good coming back on defense. But against City, Gregorion had a bet with Abcudiola about whether Mares will get past him and not even once did he get past him. And he got a ham for that, I guess. True. Yeah, but then Doherty is better going forward. Same with uh, the the, the other fullback. Aurier,
0: Serge Aurier. Yeah, I think Doherty played in the back three last season. Right. But I think Serge Aurier was actually getting, um, again, he wasn't playing that well in the first half either because whenever Chelsea really went ahead, I think Timo Werner took care of him really well in a way that We know he's got an uh, exorbitant amount of space to offer but what do you think about Mason Mount, he was also getting into those small pockets of space you know he was trying to get the team going ahead but wasn't really getting much support from the team Uh, and Kante's role as well in the game so um, Pramod, what is your take on it man? (laughs) Okay, Pramod hasn't watched the match. Um,
1: Yep, I haven't. I was watching Formula One because that was much more entertaining than
0: this. I agree with that, but I had to watch it. Um, So who's left, man? I think Manish is done. Manish? Yeah, hello. Yeah, you haven't spoken on this, right? Oh, yeah, I did speak actually. You did? Uh, you want to answer this one? You can go ahead on that.
6: uh, Kante had uh, had quite a good game. And even Mason Mount actually could have impacted the game. He had uh, quite a few shots uh, and he didn't create much chances. And I think Chelsea with all the possession they had, didn't uh, create so much chances because of uh, Spurs' uh, uh, defensive shape. And yeah, it was quite a cagey game and quite boring
7: to watch as well.
0: Right. So we have Adi as well uh, amongst us. So Adi, what do you think about the game, man?
7: Oh fucking boring dude. I'm
0: glad I should
7: have watched Pomada One as what from outside. I uh, think Roshan's accident was more exciting than this.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Even Stroll's the flip That
7: is the easiest. Yeah, I should have probably watched the Bahrain Grand Prix. I had a friend who kind of jinxed it by saying that nothing really happens in Bahrain and it's such a good Grand Prix and no accidents and stuff and <laughs> so, yeah, but man, I don't know, I, I, I felt Chelsea were a little bit better, I think Giroud uh, should have taken that chance which he had at the end, where I think it was Rodon's mistake, at that True. back pass and he hit a team at first straight at Lloris. Right. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, one team is trying to attack, the other team is just defending, it was a game like that. I didn't see Spurs have a lot of chances, probably I think only Aurier and Bergwijn had little, you know, a couple of decent chances. Uh, but it was Loris, I think was more active of, of the other keepers. He was the one who was making a lot of saves. He made a good save of Mount as well. Right. Uh, yeah. So, man, I think you know if, as, as as a lot of people said, I think before the start of this game, uh, a draw would have been a fair result for both teams. They would have definitely taken it. Um, you know. So, I I don't know, man. I I I I wish Spurs had lost because they have Arsenal, Lex, the Nottland, and Derby. But
4: yeah.
0: Right. So, let's just get on with the next game as well. And Adi, I'd want you to comment on the game since you're a gunner. Um, what is your take And <laughs> Why do you think Arteta is struggling with the current squad? Because when they actually started started off the season, we were pretty confident that they'll be, you know, uh, playing really well. And what, what what has just happened, man? And especially Partey's is out for quite some time as well. So, where do you think is the problem? I think we know where the problems are, but still… Creative midfielder, man. We need one fucking creative midfielder. I think
7: yesterday, Wolves exploited our midfield. I think Moutinho and Dendonka is probably best game in ever in Wolves' midfield. Uh, they made Xhaka and Sabayos look like bang-average midfielders. And I kind of agree. I think Sabayos is bang-average. Jaka as well doesn't have the legs in him to run and to track back and stuff. Uh, again, I think, you know... Uh, it speaks volumes when, you know, Gabriel, who's a centre-back, is our joint top scorer along with Lacazette and Aubameyang <laughs> in the team, so that kind of like speaks volumes of how poor we've been, literally piss poor in attack. I'm happy with us defensively, but again, yesterday we could have done a little bit better for the for the goals. I think Podence's goal as well could have been cleared off better when they came off the bar and that good piece of skill where he lobs the ball up and then kind of scores. Uh, but again man, I don't know, I it, this, this game of shouting for a creative midfielder, I think Willock still has a lot to learn, uh, shouldn't have started with him in that role, uh, but yeah man, I mean, I I think see defensively we're, we're good, our wing backs are also probably really good in Tierney and ballerin uh, it's just that offensively there's there's definitely some problems, some issues offensively, Obvang's not clicking in the centre forward role as well, he's not clicking down the left. I think Willian is now starting to show that he's he's past his prime. He again had a poor showing yesterday. Uh, Lacazette, I don't know what's up with him. He's also been really, really, really poor. So there are issues offensively for Arsenal. Uh, and I think uh, creative midfielders would probably address those issues. I'm expecting something big to come in in January, probably Awar or Zobislay, uh, someone Someone of that nature. Uh, but again, I mean, we didn't play really, it, it wasn't a bad Arsenal performance, I think we were good, but Wolves were just the better side. And you know, trust Nuno man to bloody start Adama Traore against us, that guy caused havoc. That guy wrecked havoc, he's not played a game this entire season. He comes up against Arsenal and he's like a prime Lionel Messi. I
0: are on spot with that. But what do you think about um, Balogun's inclusion, man, in the starting lineup? Uh, do you think he might just because he's a very versatile player that way, he has a good skill set as well, though he's very young. Do you think removing Katia and not playing Laka and bringing on a very young player like Balogun will help Arsenal in a way, maybe?
7: I don't. I don't think so. I think Balogun is still relatively young. He's that raw. Uh, you know raw and edgy center forward uh, again the thing with balagan is he's pretty similar in his style of play to uh, with anketia he's not you know like a Thierry Andre or someone who would would like to you know cut in a drift or uh, dribble pass defenders and have that occasional finesse goal he's he's very good inside the box so he's very similar in terms of his playing style with anketia uh yeah, i think probably you know uh, maybe uh maybe him starting or maybe him coming off for uh Enketia would have would have probably been good because he brings in that energy, that vibrancy. He's young, maybe. But man, you know, if you're if your top class center forwards in terms of Abu Mang and Lacazette are not clicking, I don't I don't really think you know balagan and Enketia would be the right choices.
0: Right. Um okay, let's just get on with Anirudh Anirudh as a united supporter, what do you feel? Where is Arteta really lacking? And I agree with Advaita on this that Arsenal weren't really playing that poor, but they couldn't really get on with their chances, especially with the positioning inside the box. They were not really that effective either. And we actually witnessed 31 crosses going around. Arsenal delivered more crosses, even though they lack creativity, I know that. But what is your take on the game, Anirudh?
4: Well, before uh, Arteta joined, the obvious problem was um, in defence. And right now, I think they've focused so much on defence that they've absolutely forgotten how to attack. Because going forward, they're, they're really poor. Um, their defense has become better, that I agree. But um, I think I agree with, um, I think uh, they need someone like, uh, in the, someone in the mold of uh, Dominic Shoboslay. I hope they don't get him as a United fan, but I think he'd really improve them. Uh,
0: yeah. Exactly. So I, I think he's actually, I don't know, how, how, do you know the valuation he's on? I think it's pretty Yeah, cheap. I think it's 20 million or something. Yeah, his release clause is about 40. 25 million. But He's Yeah, but
7: Salzburg want 40 million for him. They're not willing to part ways with him for anything. And
4: it's still a bargain.
7: Him. I but, would disagree yeah. there because I think still this guy is relatively young. Mm-hmm. He's defensive side of the game is atrocious. He's not someone who will track back and help out a team pretty similar to what we've had with Ozil. Not helping the team out effectively. Whereas Arteta is that kind of manager who wants the entire team to, you know, if you're getting hit on the counter, if you're trying to defend, he wants everyone back, everyone back, you know, trying to cover up the defence, trying to shield up, play, trying to track, trying to win back the ball from the opposition. So, Ozlai like, doesn't really have that. He's he's a very good, uh, you know, someone who's very good on set pieces, someone who's very good dribbling. But he's not someone, mm. you know, who's defensively mm. really strong, who likes to track back on the ball. Pretty similar to Ozil. Um, I would probably prefer Awar because I've seen Awar track back quite a lot of times for Leon. And Awar is experienced in that way. He's a French international uh, I would preferably uh, prefer Awar, I, though I still feel Arteta can probably groom Sabaslai given the time, but I still feel 40 is a little too much for...
5: No, but do you think uh, Arsenal splashed 50 million uh, midfielder again? Maybe even 60? Just having 50 million six months ago? I don't know, we'll probably have to sell a few players. I think probably Lacazette going out,
7: a uh, couple of other players leaving. Uh, like uh, Mustafi, you know, players who are basically deadwood in the team. Some of them leaving would probably then generate a few funds and that the board would probably chip in with the rest.
0: Right. But I think he'll be a good addition to the squad, man, because, okay, in terms of tracking back and everything, Adi, I think I'll disagree with you a little because the games I'd seen him play last to last season, he was playing spectacular, man. I think he was helping them the midline as well, you know, defensively. But... I haven't really seen him this season, so I cannot comment on that, but... I did watch a few of their Champions League games, so he doesn't really track back. He kind of isolates his left back
7: uh, a lot of times. Uh, so the teams that are playing against him, uh, they usually try and attack on that flank, on the right flank, where of uh, that is the the team's right flank and then lies left flank. So he kind right. of like, isolates him. he's not really known for his defensive duties or you know, tracking back, whereas Arteta's trying to generate that in this current Arsenal team where everyone kind of helps out and that's probably one of the reasons why Ozil's no more in this team. Because he's pretty lazy, he doesn't track back and help out the team.
5: No, but, but don't think the short-term solution.
7: He's a definite talent, I agree. And I think Arteta can groom him because he's, he's very young. And he's he's got a lot of talent, I agree. But I don't I don't really, you know… Again, it in terms of adapting to a new league, to the English league, where it's more physical… You know, the, the pitches are different. Weather conditions are completely different. The training is different system and tactics are completely different. You know, I really wouldn't I I, I feel it's it's a calculated risk getting Saberzly for that much money to a new league and then expecting him to click to click right away. I feel it's a calculated risk. I would rather prefer someone like Awar, who's who's already, you know, proven in the French league, who's proven
0: on the international stage. Right. Yep, you were asking something dude, Dakshin.
5: Yeah, I was just gonna ask if Sabozlai like He's, you can play him as a number 10. Usually he drifts to the left. He doesn't start in the left. It's exactly opposite of what Messi does. He starts on the right and drifts to the centre. Subatai does the opposite. So maybe you can play with Saka on the left wing so that he can help the left back.
7: Preferably, but then again, if we if have Bellerin, again, with that attack of input, I think that leaves us open on the counter. If Subatai is not going to, you know, really track back and help, And definitely against teams like Liverpool, which have explosive wingers like Mane, or like City, which have Sterling, which is who's playing on the left. I think that's basically like,
0: uh, it's like, it's basically a nail in the head of the coffin for us. Right. Um, So let's just get others into the conversation as well. Rishabh, what is your take on Wolves, man? We haven't spoken about Nuno's Wolves, especially with the kind of preferences that he has. He's got Portuguese players all over the club. So. Uh, which player has impressed you the most against Arsenal? And
2: um, yeah, your take on the game. So I feel Traore was amazing. Like to stop him is so difficult, man. Like he runs so much. His pace is so good. His body is so strong. Like Tierney was looking helpless at that position. To be honest, like uh, Traore coming on again and again from that position and they were really good as defensive line if you see uh, like taking care of obamyang and uh, the other players of arsenal it's not an easy task but you see like how it, it just shows that how much this arsenal team has been dependent on obamyang in last couple of seasons like Nicholas Nicolas Pep Pepp hasn't been that great, how much was attracted from him, Lacazette has been poor, it's, it's been Aubameyang only, and this time, Aubameyang is not looking in good form, and he got one or two chances in that game as well, but he failed to score the goal, and that shows you that, yeah, because at such point, uh, if you see, like these chances was always converted by Aubameyang into goal, but this time, it's not being converted, and that's what Arsenal is like. In- They have been good as defensive line, but yeah, once again, when the other teams just bounce on them, they press too much, they just crumble down and then that we saw again. So, I don't know where they are going and maybe by the end of uh, Boxing Day, I see them somewhere on 11th or 10th and Bulls, I can see somewhere around 6th or 7th.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, looking at the current scenario, I think maybe that way, but I think it's just too soon to predict man. Um, but what do you think guys think about Leicester losing to Fulham, man? Um, um, let's start with Manish. Manish, what are your thoughts on the game? If you haven't watched it, then you can actually talk about how Leicester, like, how they emulated them, so. Uh,
6: yeah, actually, uh, I didn't watch the whole game. I just saw the second half, uh, basically. And yeah, uh, I guess uh, uh, Brendan Rogers made a mistake in uh, benching uh, Harvey Barnes, uh, who was actually one of uh, Leicester's Lester Le- like best players, and he, uh, nothing much. And Leicester didn't have a good game. Wardy uh, wasn't. Uh, controlling the balls which came to him and uh, there was no one supporting him and Madison played too deep I guess uh, this match he should have been more towards uh, Wadi and assisting Wadi more
0: but I think um, uh, you know uh, in my opinion I think Wadi couldn't really get much space and plus Whatever we see from Bari, the pace that he shows against opponents, he didn't really, again, couldn't pocket himself into the right areas. But again, with James Madison, man, I didn't think he wasn't really, he was really stepping up. But TL, men, I felt he was doing really great, man. He was trying to deliver long balls from even a deeper position. And I think it was Ian Hacho or something who um, actually messed up the last goal that they could have actually had. He was right yeah. in front of the goalkeeper and he could have tapped it in, but he couldn't and that was actually bad on his part as well and a couple of chances Leicester missed man and I didn't expect Scott Parker to win against um, Brendan Rogers, but he did so again Pramod, what are your what is your take on the game man Leicester versus Fulham
1: uh, first of all it was actually a surprise to see Fulham having those many shots on target two <laughs> more than Leicester first of all <laughs> it was pretty weird to see even if Leicester had so many shots they didn't have too many good chances to capitalize on but Fulham, in the first half, they took their chances well. Even Adalamola Mola-Lukman had a good chance in the end. But finally, they finally had their penalty curve lifted off. You know, that was a very well-taken penalty by uh, who was his name? Cavalero, even Cavalero, did yeah. pretty well. Yep. So, that is all I had to say. Leicester had a pretty box standard game,
0: you know, in right. the end Abhishek, Rakshan Your thoughts on the game?
3: Uh, okay, like uh, Fulham beating Leicester, like uh, makes me a bit worried because Man uh, City plays Fulham next. I was a bit shocked with the result. I didn't expect that Fulham will beat Leicester because uh, looking at their like the defensive problems that they had like the last time back then when they came into the Premier League. So. I didn't expected that, but uh, like, Fulham could be a good, uh, uh, like, a good team to grab some points out of the so-called big six. Uh, but I don't see him like staying in this. Uh, like, I, I, will like to say, like, I see them getting relegated again.
0: Yeah, we yeah, can hear too. you. Yeah, I think uh, I I couldn't hear Abhishek. But anyways, um, so do you guys want to add anything anything from the game or do you want me to get on to the next one?
4: Yeah, so I just wanted to add something. It's finally good to see Fulham get over their penalty wars because I think they've missed like three or four penalties on the bounce. Um, so I think they finally got over their penalty wars. And in terms of Leicester, I think it's been their season in a nutshell. They've been too inconsistent. And uh, uh, yeah, certainly after that 5-2 win over City, I, I was one of those people who thought they'll be real contenders for top six. But no, I'm not really sure because yeah, just like most other teams in the league, they've been way too inconsistent.
0: Right. I think mostly all Teams have been really inconsistent this season. I don't, uh, Barring Chelsea, I think they've really picked up on good form and Tottenham as well. I think others, even Liverpool have just, like, you know, because of the injury, vows, I think they've just uh, slayed those matches out. But I think they were really facing a lot of trouble as well. Especially in the last match, in the Champions League match. And tonight as well, they're facing Ajax. So we never know what happens. But uh, again, one more question I'd like you guys to answer is uh, how... Highly do you rate Loftus-Cheek and also high, high, Highly do you rate Lemina, who came in from Juventus, I think. Anyone can answer this. Um, production what do you think?
5: Yeah, I think Loftus-Cheek is pretty good. He needs to fit into the right system. He can almost play a second striker role. And then at Chelsea, there's not much of space for him around. I think Fulham might be a good destination for him. Unless they get relegated. I think he could spend another season with them.
0: If they stay in the Premier League. (laughs) What do you think about Mitrovic, man? Starting off the bench. Not being given starting 11 action. It's quite surprised. Yeah, I think because Cavaliero is really playing that. He's playing good, I think, in comparison to Mitrovic. He's not really working out for them this season. But, Adi, what is your take on Fulham, man, as a team?
7: I think Fulham, pretty okay, man. Yeah, it was a good performance against uh, Leicester. I think they played they played really right. well. They took the length of, uh, Leicester were a little bit poor. They weren't able to take their chances. Uh, but uh, I think Mitrovic is still a talismanic striker. He's just in a bad patch of form, I think, internationally and for his club. He's going through a really bad patch. Currently, um, I still think he's a he's a good striker. He's someone who can definitely get your goals. Uh, the thing with Mitrovic, I feel, is he's not really got the the service that he needs. The very 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 he thrives in the box. He's not really got those services. Um, the wingers that are in that team are basically you know wingers who who would themselves <laughs> like to put in and then try and score goals, try and call the ball in themselves. You have Cavalier who does that. Lukman does that as well. But I think uh, a real breath of fresh air for Fulham is probably the form Lukeman has shown. He's been brilliant ever since coming from Leipzig on loan. Um definite, you know, England international in the future. Uh, kid's got a lot of talent. Um, he's he's also I think Fulham's top scorer, if I'm not wrong. Um right. as well. So good, good young talent. I just I just feel that yesterday, I think Parker got his tactics spot on. He played the five four on, which kind yeah. of worked. Um, and I think even uh, more than, I think Lamina, I think uh, the other midfielder, Zambo Angisa, he had a more of an impact, I think even had an assist as well, where he, he drove at the Leicester defence, kind of got Fofana's attention and then played that through ball to Lukman for Lukman to score. So, <laughs> they've, they've got a lot of good players here and there on loan, but I still see, I, I still think it's, it's a little bit tough for them to stay up. I still feel that they're relegation favourites.
0: Right. Okay, I think we're done with everything. Um, I didn't watch the West Ham and Aston Villa match. So if you guys want to discuss that, go ahead.
5: Even I, haven't I watched just want to appreciate a Jack Grealish. I didn't watch the match, but then I saw his numbers. It was very good. Like The numbers he puts on is very astonishing. He should be a starter for England for sure. Totally,
0: I agree. His, with that. his, his goal was really
2: good. Like that... I wasn't expecting him to score from that position, from outside the box. It was phenomenal goal, and I think he was unlucky that that um, the other goal in the last moments was called offside. Like they were unlucky that Watkins goal, I think, and like his hand was uh, offside, I think, and because of that they ruled out his goal, and he missed penalty as well. So Aston Villa could have won that game. They were good at attacking, but. We have seen Aston within the last few games, they have been really poor in defending and that we saw they missed their chances up front and uh, they conceded goals.
0: Right. Anyone else wants to add on to want to anything before I move on to the question-answer round? I think Watkins' penalty was
7: poor. That was a turning point in the match. I think Grealish should take their penalties, not Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very good performance from West Ham man. I think more than Aston Villa, you have to praise West Ham. West Ham have been a really good run of form. I think Moises is now getting into the groove of who he was with He kind of stabilized And to be a decent table side. He's doing the same with West Ham right now. They've, uh, they've, they're they they unbeaten so far uh, since so he's come back from quarantine and stuff like that. And uh, they're, they're fifth in the table. So right. I mean good, good 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 for him. He's getting the best out of players like Fonald and I think Success is basically just felini uh that he had in every
3: <laughs> yeah I think
1: I think if Adrian joins West Ham again, I think they'll
5: start losing. <laughs> I think it's United man. I'm just surprised that Joe Linton scored as
0: today. <laughs> <laughs> For Newcastle, the Wilson, the assistant assistant. Yeah, I didn't see that much <laughs> either. But I think let's just move on to the question answer segment. Um, So there are many questions which have been repeated again and again. But what do you guys think United, the word itself, will give them all goosebumps? This is a United fan. <laughs> Great United's comeback. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> Let's ask Anirudh this question. Anirudh, what is your take on this?
4: Yeah, it was a a vintage United comeback, wasn't it? (laughs) Because uh, when you speak about Fergie time and all that, um, yeah, Edinson Cavani, he came on and um, he changed the game. And uh, yeah, that was a great comeback. Uh, And uh, yeah, it showed that um, we have some leaders in our squad. And yeah, it was a good performance in the end.
0: Right. Um. Again, the same question, Man Rishabh, Where do you think will you guys end up? Because he's pretty confident. Tanishk, as a fan, is pretty excited to see United play the way they are playing. So,
2: if they play with the way they are playing, then I see them in top four for sure by the end. Oh of
0: yeah, you already that. answered that. Yeah. So, so let's just get on to the next question. i ask you the same question, uh, Rishabh, What is Pep Guardiola without any big money to answer? If any manager would have been in his shoes, would they be performing <laughs> the same way? Do you think it's all about the money, and it's nothing about the way Pep is doing things in City? What do you think?
2: See, if you, if you see his past performances and the clubs he has been manager with and the success, you see that it's been he has, he has always got like great teams. Like, Mourinho, if you see in Porto, he didn't have that much great team, he created them. In other places as well, Mourinho went and won with the team he built. But with Pep Gordola, it's always been like with Barcelona, with Bayern Munich, with Manchester City, that he always got great players in his side. And I feel that sometimes he is quite stubborn with his gameplay. Like if he starts uh, some players and so he will finish like the 17th minute,
6: he will play with them even if Manchester City is behind. So, that's I, I don't like Guardiola that much to be honest. Actually, I would like to counter uh, by uh, telling that like Guardiola,
0: I accept that at City has got, uh,
6: he, uh, he has got a huge load of cash to spend. But if you see his early days at Bar- Barca when he came through as a young manager, uh, he bought through Sergio Busquets David Villa Pedro all those people were youngsters who whom like no one knew so he, he's quite good at developing uh, players and uh, getting them to work in a good system it's not all, only about money but at city he has the financial uh, city have the financial power to spend more so he's obliged to spend there
2: but with such quality, I feel you ex- expect such teams to win the UEFA Champions League. Like the Bayern team he had, he couldn't win the Champions League with them. And Hansi Flick, like in a few days, he changed that Bayern team like upside down and he won the UEFA Champions League. With Manchester City also, the way they dominated in the Premier League, you couldn't see them dominating in the Champions League that much.
5: Yeah, I think I he overthinks he- big games. Like against Leon, he played three at the back. Why Why would he do that? Just go with his normal system. I'm pretty sure he would have beat Leon.
0: I agree with Rakshan. He would have still beaten them if uh, it wasn't for Stolling missing. That's Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but guys, I think I'd, I don't know, man. I semi-agree with you all because I think Pep Guardiola is not the guy who actually grows players. He never actually picked out on academy talents either. It's just people who are, who are in the team. Or he goes on a spending spree like 200, 250, 300 million for defensive issues. Are you kidding me, dude? Like, I've never seen a team making these many changes like Pep has. Plus, now I think he's getting into the academy. I think there are a couple of City players who are actually getting chances. But I think especially with uh, sidelining John Stones, man. If John Stones would have gotten opportunities in other clubs, I think he would have been another player altogether. Because the kind of performance we saw from him, I, I don't think he played that averagely. He played good football. So I think it's just the opportunities that people aren't really getting under him. And that is why I'm so against him because he's really aggressive with the way he thinks and he's pretty fixated on whatever he's going in with. I think there are five centre-backs,
5: like good quality high centre-backs. Right.
7: I think it's fair to say you can agree to disagree with Guardiola, I think uh, what he did with Barcelona is he kind of, he, he didn't really promote a lot of players, I think he was just blessed with a lot of talent. Um, at that point of time, you know you had players like Busquets who was who was coming up. He was blessed with already having Xavi and Iniesta, as the best midfielders in the world to play. You had uh, young Lionel Messi, upcoming Lionel Messi. I think David Villa was already a proven goal, goal scorer. He killed it with with Valencia before he moved to Barcelona. He was brilliant cool. for Valencia and for Spain. Uh, so he was he was just blessed because he did make a you know a few stupid decisions like signing Zlatan, uh, which never really suited his system and style at Barcelona. Um, so, he's not really a manager who's known to, you know, promote or known to nurture young talents. I think he's making a mistake with Foden as well. I think Foden should be given a lot more chances and that's a team midfield. Especially uh, ahead of uh, players like Rodrigo, you know. Um, same with Bayern as well. I think Bayern, he, he inherited a really, really, really good team from uh, Jupp Heynckes. I think Heynckes won the treble before he left. Uh, yep. And, and Guardiola took over. So, I think it's 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 just that Guardiola's been lucky that the clubs that he's gone to have already established talents, established world-class players. He's not really someone who's known to nurture uh, talent and that's why he probably goes into the market and goes on a spending spree. And I st- I would disagree with John Stones. I think Stones is pretty much an average defender. He's not nothing really
0: great. Uh, but but, you know- but I'd, I'd, we didn't really get to see what John Stones is made of in the past two mm-hmm. or three seasons, man, because he hasn't really been... Given the opportunity, he, fought, he, okay. he was paired with Otamendi a couple of seasons back, and he was poor. And I think
7: that's one of the reasons why he went into the market and got Laporte and got in a few other defenders uh, because he got rid of players like Mangala and stuff like that. So he's he's again you know someone who's who's known to you know kind of like buy his buy the players that kind of like suit his system and his style of play, and he's pretty stubborn in his style of play and his and that's probably one of the reasons why. He, you know, City or whatever club he's taken over hasn't really won the Champions League because he's, he's really stubborn with his style of play and his tactics. I think that was evident to see against Lyon. I, I still don't agree with that. Playing three centre-backs against Lyon, that was that was nonsense. He should have just stuck with his guns, gone with <laughs> his regular formation and City would have probably won that, barring that Sterling's atrocious miss. I think my grandmother would have scored that from, <laughs> back from that range and she has Alzheimer's. <laughs> so <good>. yeah, <laughs> So yeah, man. I I uh, it's, uh, again, I, as I said, it's uh, you just have to agree to disagree. Cause I I I don't rate. I think he's he's a very good tactician, but as a yeah. man, you know, as a man manager, he's he's pretty poor. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why you know you why would you let a world-class talent like Leroy Sané leave your club, dude? That guy had an amazing season before uh, the the season where he kind of like got injured and kind of featured in and out of the team. He was brilliant that season before. And I think it will pretty much be the same now with Aguero. That guy is a world class striker, man. That guy is a world class striker and you're starting
0: Gabriel, he's suicide of him.
7: Yeah, right. Sometimes I don't
0: understand Guardiola, he's just too stubborn. But maybe he might not be performing in training, whatever it is. But I think Aguero's lost his peak as well, man, after this injury that he's gone through. But still, road, man, so.
7: he's a world-class striker, dude. It'll, it's just a matter of one game where he probably will score a goal, probably, or, or you give him a penalty or something to score and he'll gain back that confidence. He's a world-class striker. He's someone who's definitely known to score. And it's been proven in the past with his stats that he always crosses, you know, at least... He's close to the 20-goal mark right. every season at City. So, and, you know, we're completely isolating him out of the, the City picture even though he's back from injury and those little mind games of whether this player will start or player will start. And, you know, converting Zinchenko to a left-back, converting Fabian Delft to a left-back. I mean, some right. of them are are utter nonsense. But then there are a few players who have really, really, you know, impressed under him. Like Sterling, De Bruyne, who has become one of the best midfielders in the world. Sterling is one of the best wingers in the world. Who have kind of progressed under him. But there are, you know, players who have kind of like deteriorated. I think even Walker has also really improved his game under him. Oh yeah, totally. But there are a few players here and there that have kind of like... You know, you, you, you mentioned about of, Rodrigo, not. you know, uh, getting right. out. I, I'm not a fan of Rodrigo. I don't know why. I don't rate Rodrigo as highly as what other people would rate
0: Rodrigo. I think exactly. So, 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 hurt. which is why I think even Pep took he's him tall Spanish from, El Nenny, in, man. during the halftime thing. He's a tall Spanish El On oh,
5: dude, do you he's think just th- th- he passes have- the
7: ball sideways? He doesn't do anything else. I don't see anything great from Rodrigo. He's poor at breaking up play. He makes those so stupid fouls.
5: Do you think City have peaked under Pep and like they won't achieve more like Baza peaked after three years and the fourth year they didn't I think they won only Copa del Rey Do you think the same things happened at City and they won't go further than they went with the 100 point mark?
6: Yeah, I guess City peaked uh, in 2017-18 that was the peak City destroying teams altogether and yeah it was a poor decision by the City management to give uh, Guardiola a two-year contract I guess they
0: should have moved on from... Right, but I'm not really pleased with the fact that City are actually favouring Pep even for these couple of years because he hasn't really won anything in the past few years and we've seen the trend that City are actually carrying before Pep they were nothing but no under Pellegrini they were amazing I'm actually wrong there and even there's another manager, I forgot his name, man. Mancini or something. What oh, I know. Know. Mancini, Mancini. Mancini. is the guy who won them the first their Premier League, League. title True, true, the true. <laughs> they were good. But but, but still, I I, see, I feel that okay after winning two Premier Leagues under Prep, uh, City haven't really made a mark after that. Even in, okay, I don't consider Champions League to be like that high level of Premier League. But even in Premier League, they've struggled, even though they've come second or whatever it is. But I don't think he deserves to you know, uh, I, I think other managers with the same amount of money would do better than him. Especially people uh, like Julian. Imagine uh, Nagelsmann at yeah. City.
5: What wonders he could do. He's doing so well with not a lot of money at Leipzig. Right.
2: I agree with you and also like I think it's basically a tactic to get a Lionel Messi next season. Because uh-huh. if off it stays Lionel Messi might come to Manchester City and with the circumstances and the things going on at Barcelona like everybody is blaming Messi for everything I feel it might happen and that's what City will be benefited with like if It looks
5: more Barcelona. highly unlikely now Yeah because the presidential Javi election has got to come out
2: yeah, yeah, And then one of the president will convince Messi not happy oh, at Barcelona So
0: like, but but, but uh, even Chuck uh, uh, that what what how how can you actually say this so confidently that Messi will work out well in Manchester City? What what guarantee are we giving ourselves? Uh, uh, you're a world class. And
2: he's Messi. Maybe maybe he won't work out well, but the sponsorship and everything yeah. that they will get, he the will. money
0: that they will get.
2: that <laughs> <laughs> <get laughs> it doesn't like It's it's fine. Like if they will pay so much for to. Uh, Gordola to get like, Way the image, right of a, image of a city will improve if Messi comes out so mm-hmm.
7: Playing, I think, partly is to blame with common, common system and tactics is not something that is that goes well with Messi style. Messi perfectly suits that 4-3-3 role which Guardiola kind of you know got Barcelona playing to that style after Raikead and and everyone else. I think that that cry of system of playing. The 4-3-3. I kind of
5: argue with like I have to argue with you because Messi doesn't have the legs to cover yeah. what space he leaves behind in a 4-3-3, I think he's fitted to play false 9 or number 10 in
7: a 4-2-3-1. I think Messi is still a world-class beta. he's still a talented individual and I think with players like De Bruyne and Sterling and everything, he'll shine even more. Yeah,
2: like he, can, he can definitely do that but I think
0: awesome. But I think we Premier League is another competition altogether, man. You know the physicality. I agree, but but you can I don't know it, it's he's yeah, but Messi has a lot of goals against top six sides. I mean more exactly. than players over there
5: in the Premier League itself. Premier League, yeah. So he's
2: he's, he's known and to definitely.
0: Maybe, maybe he
2: won't score that many goals. He will provide a lot of assists to the attacking line that is there at City. If you see that because
1: the passing. And if you're looking at City that, is, if he's gonna pass- assist, move. Is, move. Who, is who going will to be score? Left out? Because if De Bruyne is already playing in the attacking position, if you think he's gonna assist,
5: who is gonna miss out? Definitely need Anand. a first night Fernandino or not to play in the football. I think Mares, Ferran, Torres, and Phil Foden will miss out if Messi comes. If yeah, Messi comes, I think miss out. If Phil
4: Foden is the biggest loser if Messi comes. <laughs> I think he might even try and leave because he's already finding it hard to get inside that City team. And if Messi comes, it's going to be all the more harder.
7: It'll be harder, but I think Messi can kind of even groom with his experience. He can probably groom young and upcoming. He won't stay more than two years. Yeah, I agree, but uh, it depends on how long Forden is willing to stay. As long as the money speaks, man, I think City have a lot of
0: money and money does talk. But, but I Maturity. think Adi, he won't be coming. In, to be honest, I think it's just the rumor that is going around. He's not coming to the Premier League, man. <laughs> hey, he'll come, trust me, he'll come. That's I why Guardiola extended his contract. Otherwise, there's no
7: reason why he would extend his contract. I think Guardiola would have been like, fuck this, let me go back to France now. I've not been in France, let me probably go to PSG or. Monaco, the clubs that have the funds and let me But the
5: reason him. I think he stayed back is he's very desperate to win the Champions League with
7: City. I doubt he will. The <laughs> He's too stubborn. He needs to change a lot of things of his style. He's pretty much similar to what Wenger was in his latter years at Arsenal. Very stubborn with his style of play and his style of football. It's always like the beautiful game. The one-touch passing and the link-up play and everything.
2: And the thing is, when even he knows that his team is performing bad, he doesn't change that thing. <laughs> that puts <laughs> exactly at, like, that, that, that that's so what
5: I'm okay. He's very similar <laughs> he's stubborn.
7: to in his latter years. Yeah, he's very stubborn. He's very similar to Arsene Wenger in his latter years. No emphasis on defense, only emphasis on midfield and attack. I think defense is actually a, is pretty important in in modern football nowadays.
4: I think they're still yet to find that Fernandinho replacement.
7: Yeah. I Ro- think Rodri is, is really been a is Gareth Barry, that's it. Rodri is just a glorified Gareth Barry, that's it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: from from, from uh, a tall L&E
7: to a... Uh, ah, whatever. <laughs> a
1: glorified <by> Gareth
0: <Gallif-Galaf>
7: Barry. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you guys think of? Kamsa, you're an fan, Yeah, they are fine now. Ah, uh, so okay. Hey, glorified Dietmar Haman.
0: Oh. Okay, I'd agree with that actually. <laughs>
7: hey,
0: man, Haman was good,
7: man. Haman was good. <laughs> Haman was really good, man. In Liverpool also, he was good. He played for City also, I think in 2006 or 2007. He moved to City
1: after Yeah, he, he left after.
7: I think the final. I think he left. After after one. I think so after that. It, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, he left. I think he, under Rafa Benitez. Yeah.
1: Yeah, under Rafa Benjel. So, in the end, I think we have to just prove, uh, see if Messi comes and proves, like, the people who are expecting him to, you know, not flourish to prove us all now.
7: Are he will, man. He's a world-class talent. One of a kind. That guy is one of a kind, dude.
5: newcastle Aston Villa game got postponed because of COVID Post-point. also. Yeah, 5, yeah. It it's positive. not going to get
1: postponed, most probably I think they'll cancel the game and give the win to
5: Aston Villa. No, they postponed no. it officially. No, they postponed hey bro, this is not FIFA, they can't give the win to Aston Villa. <laughs> <Milan. laughs> <laughs> you put the match yeah. in the
7: and you're like, publish it and
5: they'll give up. This is what they did for
7: Napoli- Juventus game, yeah. three it went weeks to, ago. Into Seria. <laughs> are it, Seria is bloody all corrupt, man. Those bloody Italians, as I said in previous yeah, podcasts. Like, police scandals. Like, dirty people, man. Dirty people. That like, Berlusconi bastard.
0: Okay, cool. Let's just get on with the other questions. So, what do you guys think about Havertz? Is he really going to get included in the team? Because the kind of form other players are carrying, we don't see him getting anywhere in the team. So, this is another question. So, where do you guys see him fitting? Do you think he'll be there in number eight? Or he'll play as an inverted right winger. Will he be there as a false nine, where Tammy is at the moment? What do you think?
4: My opinion: Havertz uh, is world class, and um, he just needs to be played in the right position, and he needs to be given time because he's just he's just come into the Premier League, and uh, he's still very very young. So, if you, uh, I think his best position is in the number ten spot, and uh, so yeah, I I think if he's given time.
5: He can be a really good signing for Chelsea. But the problem is, if Chelsea play with a number ten, they can't play with a Werner and Abraham. And the actually benefiting of Abraham's, I mean, uh, Werner's pace and Abraham's physicality. He's won, I think, a lot of uh,
0: long balls. You know, even at Leverkusen, he had wingers who were very pacey and he needed a lot of space in the centre. So as a number 10, I agree, he can play as a number 10 but he'd work more in Chelsea's setup as a number 8 because he needs people around him especially if Pulisic starts at the left. If he does, I think it'll be a great advantage for Havertz over being there rather than putting in Kovacic who, okay, he's driving players out. I think Havertz would do a wonderful job, and given that ZH is there too, that is another problem because ZH is not a player who actually overlaps. He comes inward too, but Havertz is used to the set, used to the setup of you know having Leon Bailey who actually used to take it over, oh you know over the top, and he used to go behind the defenders, which is not happening at Chelsea. Yeah, and yeah and he had
7: Moussa Diaby as well. He had Moussa Diaby and Karim Bellarabi in Leverkusen who were doing it on the other wing as well. Exactly. But I think he, him playing in that three-man midfield is perfect, man. I think him, Mount and Kante. Do you think is, he can coexist with Mount? He I did. think he can. I think, I he think can. it's
4: a little bit too it's offensive if you look at
7: cool. But Kante is there, man. If you play Kante in that holding role, that guy is the best in the business. And he'll take care of your defensive duties. I, and I think gradually even Havertz will start to adapt to the English style of playing, wherein he also learns to track back. And he does track back. I've seen him a lot of times, but he's a bit clumsy in his tackles and stuff like that. But he's he's young, he'll improve. He does make an effort to go back. But I think... Yeah, he does, he uh, does.
0: He does. So, I think him replacing Kovacic in that Chelsea midfield is the key. Him, him, Mount and Kante. I think in a number 8 role, he did really well in the past, I think, three matches back in the Premier League. They played really well in that, uh, you know, duo. Pivot duo. But, but, But I think, if you actually talk about Kante, man, I think Declan Rice, if he comes in, bro, he'll do a better job as a stopper. Kante doesn't really stop Things he's He's got that energetic, you know, vibe, vibe going on around. He's trying to put on pressure on other players. But I think Declan Rice would be more interceptive than Kante is at the moment. What do you guys think? I think Rice is, again, a vibe, man. English talent, I don't...
7: He's okay. He's decent.
4: Just a about bro.
0: But I think the current form that he's carrying, I think he'll really add on to, you know, uh, Chelsea's favorite issues which were there during the start of the campaign but right now I think they've been covered well ahead too. So I think that is where the entire difference is being made
2: but yeah. I feel Harvards will be better like as a substitute like not starting in that lineup because then it'll get too offensive and like Chelsea. LC... Yeah they play with yeah. offensive
5: fullbacks also.
2: Yeah. I don't know how uh, lampert
1: would be thinking of his midfield but I'm sure there'll be a lot of. Uh, there will be a sell-off in the midfield, to be honest. They, they have a lot of players in the field. A lot of good quality players. You have Kovacic, you have Kante. And then if they're getting Rice rise also, if in case they're getting Rice, rise, I think so, like a couple of them will be leaving. Because there won't be enough game time there.
0: But, but I think, you know, again, with the Kante issue, man, I think, okay, he's doing a great job over there because he's actually giving a very good defensive cover. But if you've seen the way Declan Rice is playing, dude, I don't think he's really that overrated. He's actually added on to West Ham's offences too, and he's holding pretty well as a holder. So I don't think, I think he's a box-to-box player again, and I think he can make it work. If Lampard trains him the right way, I think Declan Rice could do a better job than Kante's. No, man. Yeah, bro. Kante's I awesome. think Susek is the,
7: is the key in that West Ham midfield, man. Yeah. He, because they had, they had rice the previous seasons and they were still just flirted with relegation. Ever since Susek has come, they've been unstoppable, dude.
0: But I think Declan Rice can. He, he's
7: a Chelsea player. He, to, he's, to, he's okay, man. He's okay. The thing is that English media tend to overhype him the same way they did with Madison. And they've done with a lot of English players. They tend to overhype. He's a decent box-to-box midfielder. He does the basics, right? Right. I said he's special or, you know, a talent that you would see or that you would brave about. I think more applauded uh, should go towards uh, the way Thomas Susek has, has played. He's been immense this
0: season. He has been, but I would still go in with that, man. Like, that's just my opinion. <laughs> uh,
7: he can, he can. But again, at Chelsea, I don't see really where will he suit with, where is he going to play? will he oh, replace three, I, doubt, I highly doubt they'll, they'll drop Kante to replace him with the Rice
0: they will not drop him I think they'll get into a double pivot again with a single eight number eight probably and you know but if they're going
7: to play eight. a four-two-three-one? then I
0: I think Tammy's career
7: then will kind of like say by either Tammy or Werner or Pulis, which one of them will have to probably step out
0: so I think Werner still fits in the 4 3 one. I think Tammy is the one who will actually have, have to sacrifice his uh, position and all but I, I still think Tammy wasn't really included in the plans this season. It was up till until you know um, Werner did not really work ahead as a forward. He was preferred. He preferred playing as an LAM, which is where he's actually fitting. And yeah, I don't know about Kai Havertz. He can also star in that role where um, this guy is playing, Abraham. But I don't know, man. Like why they don't test him in that role again. I think as a false nine too, he can actually fall in deep and do whatever Harry Kane's doing. But yeah. I think debatable maybe, maybe not. I don't
7: know. But again, you know Chelsea they have a lot of players and a lot of positions. So and you have experienced players like Aspelika house not getting chances, stuff like that. So it's good in a way if you're a Chelsea fan, because you've you've got players fighting for places and stuff, but I don't know. The future probably you can't do it's really tough to predict where what is if Declan Rice does manage to come. To Chelsea, and it's probable because Lampard did want him. He will.
5: <laughs>
7: I <laughs> he think. He will. Him. But I, I don't know, man. I think I'm not really. Too sure I don't think he'll hit the ground running like how Chilwell has for Chelsea.
0: Even people were doubting Chilwell man before he came in from Leicester. I think. Uh... Yeah, but you see, see defensively, Chilwell is he's okay. He's not that great. I think uh,
7: the game against Ren, uh, Jeremy Doku gave him literally made him shit his pants. True, true, true. Not that but, well, defensively, he's bang average. Offensively, he's really good. He's pretty similar to
0: Alonso. But I think he's doing better than Alonso is defensively, to be okay. honest. Defensively,
7: yeah, he's a little bit better than Alonso. Offensively, he's pretty similar to Alonso. The spaces that he finds, the how he drifts in from the left into the box and stuff like that. But true. defensively, he needs to improve because Doku being an inexperienced 18-year-old literally made him shit his pants that game
0: so i think one of ours itself has just raised another question um, manish has asked us for spending 45 million on donny van de beek wise they could have spent that money on a quality cdm what do you think anirudh you're a united fan
4: definitely agree because in although i i i i think donny van de beek is a good signing but for 45 million i think um, we need a cdm more than a than a central midfielder. Uh, I think someone to replace Matic because Matic, his legs have run off and uh, Scott McTominay just just isn't as good on the ball. So, yeah, someone to replace Nemanja Matic would be good.
0: True. Uh, Priya, man, there are other questions too. So, Tottenham Hotspurs, so there's a page uh, named after the club. He's oh just asking us. Like, why like, are Spurs, Hotspur, so, so the question is why are Tottenham Hotspurs so good this season in comparison to the previous ones? Yeah, that's like basically just blowing your own bubble, trying to make your own <laughs> ego expand. <laughs> <laughs> you to yeah, answer to this tea?
7: I would. I think it's probably Mourinho is working his his bit of magic that's left in him. I think players like Son and Kane are finally stepping up to the plate. Uh, okay. But but again, I, I still don't really see Spurs uh, content, uh, you know, uh, contending for the title till the end of the season. I think somewhere in between, we might see them fall off the paces. Which I is think, what you uh, want. <laughs> sorry?
4: I think Ndombele this season
7: has been… <laughs> yeah, I think Ndombele also, I think Mourinho has kind of forgiven him because Endomble I think last season said that he wants to, he'll never play under Mourinho again and stuff like that and it… I think they're both kipped and made up, so he's also been, he was really good against uh, Chelsea and Dom he He was Spurs' best player,
4: he was the best player. True. Harry Kane also dropping deep has has been a great change.
0: Yeah, I think, Uh, I think think here and there, Mourinho has pretty that tactic. So I think Harry Kane dropping in deep against Chelsea never worked out well because Son wasn't really that you know, near him, he couldn't really get that space which he wanted, which he usually gets. He comes a little central, but I think on again, couldn't really get that space, which is why playing Kane a little deeper was, a, again, another misjudgment, I think.
4: Yeah, but against City, it worked really well.
0: It did. It did. It did. I, I think they're very the consistent.
5: Defender. very consistent compared to other
0: teams. Ooh.
5: I think Spurs are very consistent. That's why they're not so good, but they're on the top of the table. So I like think we haven't had a major loss.
0: I think the defenses are also doing good, uh, a good work in form of you know just giving out those aerial balls, which they which they started off in the season. They lost the first match to Everton, which wasn't again. They didn't really play that well, but the other matches, if you see Eric Dier and um, Aldebert, they really gave out uh, everything offensively. Even the way Van Dyke plays out to Mane or Salah is what something he was aiming for. And the second ball is what really Harry Kane really optimized on. He found son and I think that is how they really finished those games off. And even against also, United think, man, those counter-attacking build ups were pretty immense, very intense.
2: I feel they have made right signings as well, like Regular and Holzberg in the middle. Like, Holzberg has been so good and Regular as well on the left.
0: Poibeg like, was... has been again, yeah.
2: Yeah, like, in the last match that lost uh, against Chelsea also, in the last moments, they got a chance. Los didn't pass it to Reguilón at, at that position. Like, he had so much time. You, you expect Los to pass at that point of time. And is scored from a similar position against Manchester City. So, that pass wasn't good. But if you see this Tottenham side they have been really good. Like last season, Harry Kane was injured, uh, Son got injured, uh, his hand was fractured. So like they had so many injury issues in that last season and Morino coming in like after, in the mid-season mid almost. So it wasn't that Morino didn't get time at that point of time. And now he has time, he has built this team. And they are pretty good this season to be honest. Right.
4: I think Spurs, have, Spurs have scored the most number of goals this season, but I think they still do lack something uh, uh, creatively. I think they lack uh, a proper number 10. I think, especially in the game against Everton, I think, first game of the season, uh, they were pretty poor. So I think going forward, they might lack something creatively.
0: Anirudh, I disagree on that because I think Endombele is doing a pretty terrific job, man, as an attacking midfielder.
4: Yeah, he is, but uh, he's not that kind of classic number 10. He's more of someone who will progress the ball. I think
7: what Anirudh trying to say is like an Ericsson. They're missing yeah, an Ericsson Yeah, and- oh, yeah, yeah. Someone That's who scenario. can
2: provide balls to son and Kane. And Kane, exactly. And
7: a a creative midfielder who can pass, who's good with the yeah. ball good vision, good technique.
2: Yeah, sometimes they
7: will. I think Los Also can do that from the team. Los Also can, but again, uh, he's a bit selfish. And there Loss are times Loss where... Game
2: can... like that was clear opportunity. Los Also could have passed easily. Like, he had so much time yeah. to. He, shouldn't
4: have, yeah. he should have given it to
2: regulon yeah. He could have tried to give it to Kane also on the right side. But Reguilon was too easy. But he... I don't know what the other worry with
7: Spurs is probably if a Kane or a Son does again get a, get the same injury. Do they have the same backups who can carry them forward? I don't know. I think
5: Carlos Vinicius is doing pretty well. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who's gonna cover
7: San Son. That's Europa League. I don't think in the Premier League against size like
0: Liverpool and Yeah, you know, definitely not against yeah. size like Liverpool, decent. but
5: against smaller teams here.
0: Yeah. But they've got decent wingers man. so I think they'll be incorporating them, obviously, because they don't have really. I mean, but Son and Kane's oh. impact on the game will be a huge mix. That is there. there. And their
7: understanding, I think the link up with Son and Queen, the partnership that both have built is is meant for
0: Spurs. It is, but I think they else to offer. I don't know man, we just need to see how it works out for them in the game because I think it's very situational. (laughs) This is your first North London derby where I'm actually shitting my pants. (laughs) I'm sorry but I think Arsenal is going to lose it again bro. Arik, thanks bro, you drink it like this only.